Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. What's up, friends? I'm Julie Bender. All right, Julie. I've had a lot of people that have uh, poured into my life and helped me out in times when I needed it. And... You know, I hope I've done the same occasionally, but what I find interesting is that in life we look for big purposes, big things that will make an impact, but we don't realize that pouring into someone's life or having it poured into you is a pretty significant purpose. Oh, for sure. I mean, relationships are some of the most meaningful parts of our lives. And I, I like you said, I, I think all of us could probably recount at least a person or a dozen people who have made an impact on us in both little and big ways. Speaking of relationships affecting our lives, let me let me throw this one at you. Your pupils dilate when you look at something or really someone you love. For starters, oxytocin and dopamine, the love hormones, have an effect on your pupil size. Interesting. Uh-huh. Your brain gets a boost from these chemicals when you're sexually or romantically attracted to someone. The surge in hormones appears to make your pupils dilate. That is a very intense starter stat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And how do your eyes look today, honey? Exactly. <laughs> um, well, how about this? The Harvard Women's Health Watch reported that dozens of studies have shown that people who have satisfying relationships with family, friends, and their community are happier, have fewer health problems, and live longer. I believe that to be true. I think that other people bring a lot to your life. So yeah, I'm with you, Harvard. Mm -hmm. All right. Laughter is for social communication. Mm -hmm. We rarely laugh when we are alone. Well, I mean, I make myself laugh a lot. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's, let's put this in. We laugh 30 times more often when we are with others. Okay, that I could agree with. Yeah, I could too. But I do laugh by myself a lot because I catch myself doing really stupid things. Laugh at myself. (laughs) Well, back in 1965, there was a study of 9,000 men and women, and it was found that people who were disconnected from others were roughly three times more likely to die during the nine-year study than people with strong social ties. Well, that puts some intense, uh, you know, necessity on building healthy relationships. Yeah, it does. So if you want to live longer, laugh a lot and hang out with a bunch of people, right? (laughs) Yeah. At least 1965 called that in. Researchers in a Cisco system study on human behavior and business collaboration confirmed that people were more engaged, productive, and effective when they could see and hear each other well, basically interacting the way humans have interacted with for thousands of years face-to-face. I feel like Zoom needs that quote on on their website somewhere. Like, it's better than texting people. Yes, it is. Agreed. And lastly, emotions are contagious. Our brain will rationalize factors like the tone behind someone's voice and register their emotion, leading us to synchronize to their mood. Yeah, I think you even change your facial expression. I know babies do. If you smile at a baby, they smile. If you frown at a baby, they frown. So... Is that also like when you're taking a picture of somebody, you're smiling really big because yeah. you're encouraging them to smile? <laughs> I think it's that's all, it. It's all related. It's all related. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Well, obviously our relationships with one another do make a huge difference in our lives. And aside from some of the benefits that we get, we actually derive a lot of purpose, which purpose is always something here at Grit and Grace that we have been passionate about encouraging you to embrace and embrace the different types of purposes we have throughout the many changing seasons of our lives. It's true. And Julie, when I when I brought this concept to you, it was actually born out of a relationship that has been very important to me. As I said in a podcast early on when we were recording, my mom and I had a pretty rough relationship. We to say we butted heads was probably an understatement. It was kind of like a cat fight for about 20 years or more. But what happened in those years is I had an aunt who stepped in and loved me well and accepted me in all of my foolishness, which mm-hmm. there was a lot, and really poured into my life. And what's recently happened is she's now kind of descending into the world of dementia. Oh, that's so sad. It is. It is horribly sad. But what is amazing to me is when her life is done and she leaves this world, she has to know that my life is better because of her. Mm. And I know you've had people like that in your life too. For sure. You told me about that. We were kind of texting about that and you encouraged me to maybe consider sharing somebody that has been that way in my life. And it was actually kind of hard for me because I feel like for me, we talk so much about seasons here at Grit and Grace. Something that God has always done for me is there's always been in different seasons of my life, there's always been a woman, not my mom, because hey, if you've listened to one episode of this show, you know I also have some friggin' mama drama. Um, <laughs> but I... I, I I always could turn to somebody that would, you know, pour into me in significant ways. And so the first person that I can really think of was my elementary school best friend's mom. She went out of her way to include me in her life and her family all the way through sending me off to college. She's the one who took me shopping to, you know, furnish my dorm and, you know, send me on my way into quote unquote adulthood in the real world. And so I, I often think of her impact on my life. And honestly, we don't, we don't talk anymore, but she was incredibly influential during that incredibly influential part of my life. Oh, I love that, Julie. And I think that that's, that's part of the dialogue here is that it can be for a season, it can be for a lifetime, mm-hmm. it can be either one or a little bit of both because we each need someone to pour into our lives. And for me, it made me sit back and think, what have the women who poured into my life done that have, has helped me? What steps did they take? What were their actions? Were they amazing? Were they you know, grand? Mm-hmm. And they really weren't. Mm-hmm. They really weren't. They were some of the most simple things and then you know I walked away going so how can I be that for someone else what do I do what steps do I take to pour into someone else's yeah so I think what we're going to share here today are things that have been done for us but also things that we could simply like really very simply intentionally do for people in our lives and and they're like we said too they might be on a small scale or they might be on a grand scale but finding purpose in the impact that we can make on the lives of people all around us in various levels of relationship. For me, one of the first ones that came to mind when I was thinking back on what my aunt did was when my mom and I were at each other's throats, Mm -hmm. we were not doing well. Most people would avoid it and avoid us (laughs) because, yeah, it was not a fun place to be, but she didn't. She Mm -hmm. was willing to step into the turmoil, not to take sides, Mm -hmm 
not to, you know, say she's right, she's wrong, she's right, she's wrong. She didn't ever do that. She just went in and said, I love you and I love you. And Darlene, why don't you come over and hang with me for a little bit? It was that simple. It was just that simple that she she was willing to step into a place other people weren't. Yeah, being the one who doesn't turn a cheek of the hard thing or the, you know, the messiness of relationships or even, you know, lifestyles or circumstances somebody might be in. Being the one who stays and shows up and enters in is a really big deal. And that can be within your family. It can be somebody's individual circumstance or it could be a cultural moment like we're kind of experiencing today. These are all examples of how you can just be the one that steps in instead of turning a cheek. Speaking of being the one who steps in, though, I think something important to point out here is that the person who does this, and I think your aunt was an example of this, and it was definitely an example in seasons of my life. When you're the person that's stepping in, sometimes you may be um, rejected at first, or the person who needs the help may be in such a place that they're in denial or they're embarrassed, and they may make you... They might try to push you away. Um, and so there's that point of recognizing their need and, and staying in and not letting somebody say no when you know they really need it. And oh, that's one of the biggest ways you can serve somebody. So true, Julie. And I think when you get that pushback, you don't need to say, I'm walking away. Mm-hmm. You need to gently come back and come back again mm-hmm. because you know they need you and you want to be there because they do. Mm-hmm. I, maybe a caveat here, you know, because boundaries and, you know, <laughs> understanding when maybe you're not the person for the job. But if you have an actual relationship, like this was your aunt. So I'm sure there were times where you, you know, maybe p- tried to push her away like, oh, I'm fine. And because she actually knew you and had a real relationship with you, she could say, no, Dar does need me. I'm just going to give her a hot minute or a couple of days and then I'm going to come back and make sure she knows that I'm still here. So you're saying sometimes you need to walk away? (laughs) Well, I'm saying like, you know, you're not going to be everybody's person. No, you're not. You know, there is a level of relationship required to be this kind of person in turmoil or in these types of situations. You know, I do think one thing that's really important is when you see someone in a situation that's challenging is see past the challenge, Mm. see past the circumstances they're in or even the attitude that they have and view them from what they can be. View them for who you believe that they are, even if they're not acting like it at that point. Mm. Because I think often when you do that for someone else, they may not believe it at first, but eventually they think, well, maybe maybe I am what they think I am. Maybe I am worth more than I think I am. I definitely agree with that. Being the person who believes the best about somebody is such an important role. And I know we're talking about women only, but I literally just did a Praying for Your Husband Daily about this this past week because I think that's one of our greatest roles even as a spouse is believing the best about our person even when he can't. And there are certainly times where I need Donnie to believe there's something better in me than I feel in the moment. And that's such a small but incredibly important thing we can do at times. Speaking that encouragement, speaking that belief, speaking that, you know, um, optimism when they're really struggling is incredibly important. Oh, so true, Julie. And I think when you see that person for what you believe they can be, there's going to be other people that go, oh, no, they can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are screw-ups. Situ- they are in a situation they're not going to get out of. Whatever. There are the naysayers. Mm-hmm. 
And your voice can override those and your voice needs to override those because inevitably we have those people those people who look at the negative so got the haters the ha- yes <laughs> for sure so we need to be the opposite we need to be the ones who are positive and encouraging i think one of the other big things that we can do is show unconditional love i mean i'm if we're honest there are times that we get offended we oh just a little bit we see something somebody does and we want to judge or we can't believe they did that thing but being the one who actually offers real unconditional love makes such a huge difference you know during the years when i look back at what my aunt did for me i would take my old ford galaxy beat up car because i got in four wrecks in it and drive it from my parents house 136 miles to my aunt's house Mm. okay I think my mom said, sure, go, because it was like, all right, darling's gone, and there's a little bit of peace for a couple of days. But you know what, Julie, when I arrived there, she would be at the door, full smile, Mm. full hug, full everything, and embrace me emotionally, embrace me physically, and make me feel like, of course you're welcome here. I want you here. And I think that's something that we have to do for other people, too, is hold our arms out and hold them tight. Yeah, I mean, unconditional love is, you know, it's words at times, but a lot of times it's actions. It's, you know, showing up and like you said, being there, even when maybe you don't fully agree with the thing that they've just done, but you put that aside to be there for the person unconditionally in the moment. Well, and that doesn't mean, and it didn't mean for her that she was accepting a lot of the junk I was putting out there because trust me I was putting a lot of junk out there and doing a lot of things I shouldn't have done so she didn't accept my bad behavior but she didn't rag on it either or get after me about it she actually accepted me and I want to be able to accept other people in the same way well let's unpack that a little bit more Um, how do you show love for somebody when you don't believe in what they're doing what does that look like? I think it's simply going back to saying it is you I believe in and you that I believe you can become that within you are all the good things already there. But right now you're not treading in the best places. Mm-hmm. And I think the relationship is your starting point, Julie, where, you know, whether it is a relative like my aunt or whether it's a friend or whether, it, you know, it's a spouse even or a boyfriend where you go in and you build the relationship first. And then when you're trusted because they know that you love them unconditionally, you're able to walk into the hard places and say the hard things. Yeah. I think for me, something that kind of keeps me grounded when I'm in a place with somebody that I have a relationship with and I want to show unconditional love, but I'm like, what the heck did you just do though? Like, I want to be your person right (laughs) now, but what, what was that? Taking a moment to humble myself and Kind of real quick inventory. Well, what are the 37 dumb things I've done recently? <laughs> Last week. I've, oh, no, yesterday. Exactly. That yeah. I have been shown unconditional love by this very same person. And now this is an opportunity where they need me to kind of tap into the depth of our relationship, like you said, and also go back to, I believe the best about this person. I want to almost call them into the better things by being there for them, even when they're doing the lesser things. So would you say sometimes you overlook the things going on in their lives and sometimes you address it? I would absolutely affirm that statement. Yes. Well, and I think that's finding the balance. And, 
you know, for me, I, when I get into conversations like this, Julie, in my head, I'm going, God, don't let me say anything stupid. God, don't let me say anything bad. God, mm-hmm. keep my mouth shut. Okay, open it if you want. Mm-hmm. Because it, you can fix what I just said without praying. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, there's a point where you really have to be sensitive. Yeah to that person and to your words and mm-hmm. what you're saying and how you're saying it to be able to be it to be delivered well. Okay, so we're saying we want to be the people who are there no matter what. Let's go like for real for real. What if we're watching someone we love dabble with or get in, you know, in in the kind of situation where we see addiction starting to take hold or an inappropriate relationship? What does that look like? You know, you have to be willing to step into the hard places too and create the hard conversations. The years that I did have Southern Comfort and Coke under my kitchen uh, sink, which was not a good plan, um, I did have someone step in my world and basically pull it out from in my apartment from under my sink and look at me and go, Dar, what in the heck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Where are you going? How far are you going to take this? You're drinking this for breakfast. And that's probably not the breakfast of champions. So mm-hmm. w- you need to deal with this. So I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to hear it. I didn't. But then I went, no, that may be right. Yeah, That may be right. And sometimes you have to do those hard things. You have to be willing to get someone you love a little bit mad at you because you know there's more needed than you just hugging them and holding them and telling them they're going to be fine. Yeah. What if they don't respond favorably? You stay in their lives. You do. I I don't believe in just exiting. I really don't. Because when someone's heading for trouble, they're going to hit trouble. And they're going to need somebody there who loves them. Doesn't mean accept everything they're doing. But they need someone there who's going to love them. I have to put one caveat in here as somebody who's still sort of freshly out of the dating world. (laughs) Yeah. I do want to at least say, though, if you find yourself in a relationship with somebody not a marriage, but a relationship with somebody who is not showing any signs of willingness to acknowledge there's a problem or acknowledging that there is an issue, but maybe they're slow to work on it. It's it's one thing to acknowledge it and then need help and time to work through something. It's another to gaslight, blame shift, deny. So if that's you, that's another conversation and I just don't want to to gloss over it and not at least put that tiny little thought in somebody's ears. No, you're so right, Julie. We do not, we're not saying build a life with someone who's heading down a destructive road or destroying you in the process. Absolutely not. It's simply if you can help someone else and actually see that there is hope, then go down that road, but not when you see there's no good end in sight. For sure. Okay, so another way that we can kind of bring purpose out of being in somebody's life is being their safe place. I feel like this is what your aunt was, being being a refuge from the conflict of whatever they might be experiencing. And this, this is what I was kind of talking about for me. I experienced throughout my whole life, like, my childhood was always better when I was away from home. Um, and that's people were willing to be that for me. And so how can you be that for somebody else? I mean, I don't know if that's foster care or if that's being a friend of somebody who is fostering and being a sounding board for the foster mom who's under intense amounts of pressure 
day in and day out, being an unconditional source of love to this child who is in a hard place. And you're just the friend who is saying, you're doing a good work. I see Uh. you. I I believe in you. I love you. It's okay that you got frustrated because you're doing a hard thing. How can you be a safe place for the person who's in conflict? Well, and I think the safe place takes on many versions of it. Mm-hmm. It can be literally someone who is in a bad relationship, like we just talked about, and they need to move out to somewhere else until they can figure their life out. You might be the safe place. Your home may be the home that they're moving into as they work through their transition. Or Julie, it can be as simple as come have dinner at my house. Yeah. You know, I'm my door is open. We're going to play board games, video games, whatever you want to do, come spend the evening with us just so you can be away from whatever it is you're dealing with in your real world. And that to me is just as important as all of the others. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're that place where you don't talk about the thing, but you're literally like a release valve. You are a break from it. And sometimes you're that break where they can really process the hard things and then go back into it. So there's, there's actually a need for both in different circumstances and in different relationships. Yeah. And again, I'll go back to my aunt because she's my thread for me, but she tried to teach me to crochet. All right. Oh, is that why you say, th- you said thread? Yeah. <laughs> you are. That was good, Julie. Yeah. I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> that was good. You know, but it, she loved crochet. So she thought that Darlene should take up crochet. Do you think I did it for very long? No. But did I sit beside her and try to learn? Mm-hmm. Yes. But it was because I liked her. I liked being with her. So even if you're trying to bridge interest, mm-hmm. it's really more about you physically being there for someone else. I think another real example of being this type of person is when we can stand up with someone who maybe is struggling to stand for themselves or struggling to stand by themselves in a cause or in a, you know, in a hard fight, being the one who stands with them and for them and goes to battle with them can be a really big deal. So true. And you talked about foster families. I mean, they're doing exactly that from from doing it in that way to, you know, just defending the person. Be the one that says, no, she's really going to be okay. She may not be being okay right now, but she will be one day. So, you know, you naysayers out there just need to hush up because I'm standing with her and beside her. I know for me, there's a really crucial time toward the end of my first marriage where I was really starting to wonder if maybe I was making up some of the, you know, emotional abuse that was happening. If maybe I had built it up in my head to be bigger and I had a baby. I mean, he was three, but you know, he's still a baby. Um, and I was really struggling with if this was really an issue or if I needed to just kind of move on and be fine. And you and other women in my life, you know, said, no, this is wrong. This is what you need to do. Come to my house, be with me. Let's get a real plan in place. And that really changed the trajectory of my life and his. Of course, none of us knew that it was going to be cut short through tragedy, but you know, that action of standing with me when I was beginning to doubt myself was incredibly impactful. I think that's true in a lot of situations, Julie, where It's easy to doubt your own emotions. It's easy in a situation to go, it's probably not as bad as I think it is. It's probably not what I think it is. 
And to be that person who goes, you know what? It is. Yeah. It actually is. And that doesn't mean these scenarios don't have hope because they do. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You probably need to step back and get your emotions and life together to be able to decide what to do next. And I think that's, you're exactly right. That is standing with the person who needs you there. Me actually choosing to leave my home in that experience with Paul, it was actually an opportunity for me to show love for him to say, hey, I'm not going to stand for this anymore because you're hurting yourself as much as you're hurting me. And so I think that in itself is an example. But I only had the strength to do that because someone else from the outside was willing to come stand alongside me and give me the you know support I needed to help fight for and with him. Oh, do you know what I love about that, Julie, is I don't think we even realize when we give someone else that support and strength, how they'll impact someone mm-hmm. else's life. And sure. I think it's often true that that's exactly what happens. Absolutely. I think sometimes we think we need to have it all together to do virtually anything in life. But to fulfill a purpose in someone else's, I think we need to be smarter or more talented or more well-spoken or more understanding or more educated in whatever scenario we're dealing with, or we at least need to be perfect. But Mm. that is so not true. It's not true at all. First, none of us are perfect. Ever. Ever. (laughs) And won't be until this world is over. So we can't have that be our starting place. We have to accept the fact that how we are today is who we need to be to reach into the lives of others. Yeah. So if you're listening to all of this and thinking, like, okay, well, maybe there's somebody in my life that I should be showing up for in these ways, but you know, my life's a hot mess. And so who am I to come and try to benefit somebody else? You're probably the quote, perfect person. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody wants to step in and help me, but I think they've got it all together, I'm going to be more embarrassed of my own situation. But if somebody I know has got their stuff, but is willing to step into mine, there's a camaraderie there. There's a authenticity there that invites, you know, a mutual relationship that helps me to be willing to be honest with this person and begin to deal with our stuff. So don't wait till you've got things perfect to try to help that other person because she can't wait for you to get it together. You're never going to get it together. <laughs> it's true. And Julie, you just said that you would feel worse about yourself. I'd just be irritated with them. Y'all just don't have it together. You're just not that smart. Don't act like you have this whole world worked out. <laughs> and I think, you know, people who tend to want to look as if they've got it all figured out aren't very helpful for anyone else. It's so true. Because all they're bringing is guilt, uh, a lack of realism because nobody's got it all worked out. And really, they're not bringing empathy and understanding Mm -hmm. because most of the time, the way we help someone else is because we've already been helped. Mm -hmm. When we love someone else, it's because we've already been loved. Mm -hmm. When we invest, it's happened to us. And sometimes it's the same subject. What I've dealt with in life, I can help someone else. Now, there's subjects that I may not be that helpful because it's very foreign to me. But the ones that I've already walked through, I can walk through with someone else. I love this quote you put on here by Albert Schweitzer. He says, the purpose of human life is to serve and to show compassion and the will to help others. And that's going to look different for every single one of us. And it's going to look different in our variety of relationships. But I think what we want to do is encourage you to be willing to step in and to serve when you see the opportunity, because you have no idea 
what the lasting effect might be on that person. And like we said, the ripple effects on the people that they're involved with. If you're, like most of us, looking for a purpose in your life, this is it. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what you should be doing. And it is a purpose that makes an enormous impact on the life of others. So, you know, you don't need to build some grand something or, you know, start a nonprofit or, you know, start some kind of ministry or some help thing. And maybe maybe that's what you're supposed to do. But even if it is, the day-to-day investment in other people is the biggest purpose we can possibly have. I think the best example of someone who stepped into the messiness of other people's stuff and went all the way with unconditional love was Jesus himself. Is there a verse that you can share with us, Dara, that illustrates this? Well, there are verses, but it's kind of a scenario that was created, that was painted for us. And it was at the Last Supper where a conversation was happening about being betrayed. Jesus said he was going to be betrayed. And when he did, in John 13, 23 to 25, it says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter, therefore, motioned to him to ask who it was whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? And then I jumped down a little bit and picked up on the 34th verse. And here's what Jesus said. He didn't answer that question. But later, here's what he said. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And what I find interesting in this entire picture First, there was a follower of Christ that was comfortably leaning on Jesus' breast, that comfortably thought they could ask a difficult question, Mm -hmm. and went back to ask it, still physically contacting Jesus because that relationship was so strong. And then Jesus said, love other people like I just loved you. And that's what he had done. I hope that this episode has encouraged you to kind of take an inventory of the people that are in your life and the ways that you can maybe step in in seemingly small ways that could make a really big impact. And, and like Darlene said, if you find yourself in this season kind of struggling, like where is where is any purpose to be found in my life? If you look a little closer with this kind of heart and mind, I trust that you'll find plenty of places that you can step in with unconditional love standing next to someone, being in the fight, and believing the best about someone that you already are in relationship with. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.